Hello, I'm Vicky Browning, Chief Executive of Akivo, the network for charity and civil society leaders. Welcome to Leadership Worth Sharing, a podcast in which I talk to civil society chief execs about their careers, their experiences, and what leadership means to them. In this last episode of 2019, I'm speaking to three fantastic women, the founders of Girl Dreamer, Kieran Kaur and Amna Akhtar, and the CEO of the Queen's Commonwealth Trust, Nicola Brentnell. We talk about how girls of colour are seen in our society, why disruptors make the best role models, and how you can find leadership in all sorts of different circumstances, including longboarding in the streets of Birmingham. Welcome to Akiva Podcast. It's brilliant to see you. I am sitting in our office with three uh, amazing women today, and I think it might be good just to get you to introduce yourselves so that people who are listening uh, can see who's who or can hear who's who. Yeah, sure. Hello. So my name is Amna. Thank you for having me here today. Hi, and I'm Kieran, the co-founder of Girl Dreamer. And I'm Nicola Brentnell. I have the privilege to be the first chief executive of the Queen's Commonwealth Trust, working in collaboration with these two awesome women. Kieran and Amna, you run Girl Dreamer. Yes. Uh, Kieran, you said you're the COO. Yes. And Anna, what's your title? I'm a bunch of things. Um, So I am definitely co-founder as well as creative director. So tell me a bit about Girl Dreamer. What does it do and what makes it special? So Girl Dreamer is a non-profit organisation based in Birmingham. Um, We act as an empowerment platform for millennial and Gen Z uh, women of colour. We essentially want to provide unique opportunities for personal and professional development. And we do that in areas such as leadership, adventure sports, digital skills. And essentially, we want to enhance the way women of colour have access to opportunities so that they can live their best lives in all areas. What what prompted you to start this organisation? How did it begin? I think it started back in college, actually. So me and Kieran met on the first day of college. We, um, we became best friends. And then after college, when college was coming to an end, we, we wanted something more out of life. Kieran didn't want to go down like a kind of traditional path of university I certainly didn't and then we had this like I would call it a life-changing conversation one night on the phone for like six hours um, where we talked about what we wanted to leave behind as a legacy to carry on empowering women and to have this platform where people our age and kind of around our age could turn to a platform for advice for different things um, support opportunities all the things that we couldn't find at the time we said okay we can't find it so let's just create it it. no experience apart from life but that's a really good (laughs) life Um, and we used a lot of google and youtube videos to to literally kickstart the business and learn all the jargon nicola how how have you got involved with these amazing women i got involved through my klaxon of choice social media and twitter somebody i follow loves Girl Dreamer and started retweeting what they were doing and I kind of checked out the website and thought this is a fantastic organisation led by two extraordinary and striking leaders and so reached out through social media, had conversations with um, with Anna and Kieran about what they're doing and have been kind of walking alongside them ever since that and learning a huge amount from their energy, their bravery, their dynamism and their commitment to leadership and to making the world an easier place to navigate. You um, describe yourselves, Anna and Kieran, as Two, was it two brown girls on a mission to change the way the next generation of girls of colour see themselves represented in our world? What do you? How do you feel that girls of colour are represented now? 
now and how do you want to see that change? I feel like there's a lot going on in the world right now with all the different platforms and the access we have to them constantly through our phones, devices and stuff. We constantly see like a positive reinforcement, I would say personally, of physical appearances a lot of Mm. so it's like wear your natural hair wear your body hair the empowerment of like melanin and especially for girls of color to celebrate that i feel like personally there would still be gaps in terms of more on the mental side of like growing the leadership and the confidence mentally Mm. um, and internally more it's growing since we were in school and college so like social media is really helping in the sense that in 2007 when we had just finished like school and college and just thinking about you know where you see people like yourselves and you know you didn't have social media so you physically saw them in person or you would see a bit on the television but now you have access to you know people who look like you doing all sorts of things all over the world and you see them in real time in a way that you wouldn't before but like Anna said I think the bit that we're not quite there with yet is there's still a lot of institutional and systemic changes that need to be made for us to really for young girls of colour to definitely see that right the representation is there the pathways are there I can do this or I can be this because like you said, you're seeing like-minded people or people in your community doing things, but you're still not seeing it wide enough in the kind of bigger picture. Is that something about role models then? Is that something about seeing people that look like you doing things that you didn't think you were able to do or you didn't think were possible for you? Is that that the... It's a definite, yeah, that's a definite starting point to just knowing that you can even access that space or you can successfully be there. Um, You see someone do it first. Mm. Um, And that really also helps on the side of, I think, culture because sometimes when it's something slightly different or not what many people like you do you're not only having to go into that space and you know convince it on that side you have to do it on your end your family your culture your community so it really really helps and the more we can see it the more things will change there's two different elements there there's something you talked about the the way young girls or girls of color see themselves so their physical appearance but there's also that sense of what the skills and confidence there's something Mm -hmm. about confidence as well to be able to step into spaces and roles that they wouldn't normally be able to access is it is it that kind of confidence that you're helping or hoping to build definitely yeah. and I think Kieran can speak about that more because growing up we face different challenges um, and even though we're both girls of color we're both of South Asian background there's so many similarities but so many differences mm-hmm. as well I had the like chance to go and play sports professionally but because of my my background of my my mum and dad were both immigrants they didn't see anybody else in football who looked like me for my mum and dad that was about my dad specifically it was like no way you are not running around half naked in shorts with boys on the pitch so that had to stop by 14 but before that I was constantly encouraged but because I then built up a passion for it and I was ready to do something with it now that's when it was just all like no you need to close that chapter but with you, you Kieran it was yeah, different. Yeah it was different I had the access had the support if I said you know I wanted to go to the moon they'd be like great but my issue at the time was what I said about representation because it was so lacking I used to go to the spaces feel really uncomfortable not feel like I can do it um, have no one to kind of ask you know how is this because there was no one doing like I was playing piano at the time I was doing jiu-jitsu and there was no one doing it and so when I'd get there I'd feel so uncomfortable and then so out of place that I gave them up myself by 15 instead of you know it kind of being taken away I took it away from myself and mm. now I see the way girls respond to seeing other girls in those spaces and how much that plays a part in them actually pursuing it 
So I'm just thinking about leadership. Mm. And leadership often is about stepping into a space where nobody else will go and doing something that needs doing because you look around and you think, okay, nobody else is going to do this. It's got to be me. Mm -hmm. What do you think you have in you that got you to make that step? For me, I didn't want to give up. I was grown, brought up and grown up in an area called Borsley Green, which is one of the most, I would say, deprived areas in, in Birmingham. And everyone in that area would kind of go to school, 50% would drop off before college and then they'd end up getting married. And I didn't want to be married. I, I just didn't want that. I always felt like I was different. I didn't want to be in that school. I didn't want to have those friends. I always wanted to be somewhere else, but I obviously couldn't help it. This is where I was. But then when I got old enough to kind of make my own decisions, I was, and I had a great friend like Kieran, um, we both kind of came together and said, we want something different for our own selves mm-hmm. and for the other women out there who also want something different from their, their lives as well. And mm-hmm. that's why we always try and create the most unique opportunities at Gold Dreamer. I think it's, that's the key is the word dream. You didn't yeah. want to give up no, no. on your dreams. Mm-hmm. And knowing that if you're two examples of girls and young women who shut down or were shut out mm-hmm. of pursuing those dreams, how many other tens of thousands of young women around are doing the same thing? Yeah. So in our relationship together, what's come through really strongly for me is this laser focus on enabling other women mm-hmm. to feel confident to have those opportunities and to follow their dreams. And there's something really, really special about that kind of leadership, that desire and compassion. That That's exactly where I came from. So when I grew up from giving up my own ones, I was like, if I could support other girls like me at that age, and so then I grew up and I like became more confident in myself, I was actually like, I didn't need other people's permission. So then I was like, now I can go back and help that generation if there's that girl stuck like I am and she's in that position. But that's going to take me stepping into these positions that are uncomfortable, right? I feel out of place and just going to have to kind of be there, learn from there, grow in there and then say that that's okay and hold that hand out for others and, and that's what it's become. And in terms of the platform Girl Dreamer itself, how do you see your relationship to the women of colour that you engage with? Are you are you doing stuff to them? Are you doing stuff with them? How does all of that work? Definitely with. with mm. yeah. It's a very like community thing Girl Dreamer is. It's never just, you know, we hold projects and you come and we do two and then you go and then that was the process. We connect with people online, in person. Yeah, they may come as a project. They may just come because they want support in general with life. They could come because they need advice. They come from all these different angles and as together as like a group, we help each other. We're just mm. the people who can provide that particular opportunity. But the community of Girl Dreamer can, you know, help you um, with support, with networks, with guidance, with other opportunities that we can't. So we, we very much focus on how do we build a community around this. So it's not dependent on us being these providers of, of opportunities. It's how do you support women to support women? Are you are you based mostly in Birmingham? Do you have people coming to you from other parts of the of the UK? Is it what's your constituency? We're physically based in Birmingham, yeah. but we like to think that we're operating all over because we're an online platform, which means we have an audience of coming in from everywhere, from like the UAE to the UK, US, um, Australia. But mm. specifically, when we do hold projects, uh, they've been just. Birmingham and the Midlands Um, however this year we've opened up a few projects nationwide and if it's like we need to meet somewhere to then go somewhere everyone would always meet in Birmingham 
Nicola, in terms of what you saw when you first engaged with uh, Anna and Kieran, your organisation works with leaders across the world. What do you look for in the people and the projects that you support in terms of those leadership qualities? I think it's what I touched on earlier about laser focus yeah. on making something happen. This is about bringing about change. And the leaders that are part of what we call hashtag Team TCT all have this a desire to fix a problem that they can see. So that desire to to make a change happen. So it's about being organised, it's about being focused, it's about being compassionate, it's about having a very clear strategy about how change can come about. Karen and Emma, when you were approached by Greece Community Trust, was that, were you a bit taken aback? <laughs> very much so. Oh, your my mum thought was... that. My mum thought I was going to meet Prince Harry and he was going to come and he was going to come over and my mum was going to meet him. I was like, mum, it's not the actual Queen. But it yeah, was hearing sure. the word Queen in yeah. the thing. They were just like, I thought you're going to meet the Queen. And I was like, no, you haven't finished the sentence yet. It's uh, the Queen's Commonwealth Trust and this is what it means. But it's just... Like hearing, you know, words like that for our, our families is so it is almost, such a big thing. It's weirdly like it validated the work that I'm doing for my family because a lot of the time it's like, all right, when are you getting a real job? When are you getting a job that pays more than like 40k or whatever? So when that connection happened and we received an email, it was just crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So at first I didn't realise, and then when you reached out, it was over Amna's longboarding feature, wasn't That's it? Right. You saw yeah. that was yeah, it. That's what kicked it off. Amna and a longboard right. kicked it yeah. off. But I remember being like, oh, is this is this a real thing? Is the Queen's Commonwealth just like <laughs> actually really reached out? What does it feel like to be a women of colour in this sector as chief execs? Do you feel that you're in a community that's in, that's reaching out and supporting you and engaging with you? Do you feel that there's a kind of sector out there that you're kind of getting on and doing your thing and you're not involved with? How do you feel about your place within the, the social sector more generally? I think every day we don't necessarily mm. feel that we're like a part of it because we very much kind of just do our own thing every day and we're just in our space, space doing yeah. our thing mm. and we very much feel like that all the time the only time that changes is if we get invited to like events or we've turned up to something where then we meet other leaders and mm. all of a sudden then we like kind of feel it but we do ver- we do feel disconnected at times mm. like we're very much we just get on with our thing and then we enter the space and then it's like a very nice formal kind of get together and then we go back to mm. our thing and um, does that I mean you sound quite comfortable on that or do you think that the sector needs to change to be embraced to be better at sort of embracing people the younger younger leaders coming through I think it definitely yeah. does because we do loads of stuff in Birmingham we can I can let you know do you yeah. <laughs> oh that, see that would be great um, that's the kind of stuff and I know there's a lot more young leaders like us who are looking for that right. so we tend to stick together because we don't know that there's something else out there for mm. us to be a part of except one off mm. events and things and mm. then you don't really feel a part of it if you're going once every half a year mm. if more people and organisations and you know the sector in general could do that they could move more with what they do and not be so like we're based here and then everyone in the sector has to come Yes. And Nicola, well, I mean, your organisation is, is probably you know a bit more kind of estab- establishment, if you like, you know, part of the kind of fabric of um, the sector. What do you think we need to do differently to make sure people are on that and Kieran are engaged, are we, are, and other young leaders you work with? I think it's about acceptance and openness within more established organisations and just looking to 
see where leadership can be found in a whole variety of yeah. different circumstances and places mm. and being willing, particularly as, as chief executives of my generation, thinking how much one can learn from other leaders, other women leaders, people much younger and really drawing on that expertise. And it's not just about social media and tech, but from lived experience of leadership challenges mm. and understanding how different perspectives can really make one's own leadership far more enriched as a result of that. Mm. In your CEO roles, you actually, you job, job share? Or, um, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how does that work? How does that, because so you're, you're best mates, yeah. met on the first day of college, and now you're running an organisation, yeah. hanging out with the Queen and all that <laughs> stuff. I think we're really good at identifying each other's needs mm. um, and we know what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are. One <laughs> thing that's not good is that because we work in our heads a lot, I can read Kiran, she can read me. Sometimes it's like there's nothing in the drive because <laughs> she's like, oh, but I, th- I thought I told you that or I already said this. And then I'm like, oh, we really need to work better in the system because once we start getting staff in, they can't read our minds. Mm. So I think the way that we work is I know Kiran's strengths in the sense of which one out of the two of us is going to go to networking events that's going to be me because mm. Kieran doesn't like doing that that much they're like logistics or they're like written and they're just very heavy in like information or like meetings and talking and funding and those yeah, types bits. yeah I knew you were going to say the boring bits <laughs> those are like more my strengths and then when it's like being the visionary and creating ideas and then kind of putting the projects together and like mapping all those like actual on the ground things we do and then Amna takes that and then when it comes to execution and like delivery we both take it so mm. yeah we have like a nice kind of system and I think the important thing is that we we know we respect it we play to each other's strengths but we dip in and out all the time so you have your own leadership roles but you also encourage leadership in the in the community yeah. women that you work with how do you talk to them about what leadership is we don't necessarily have like a conversation or even necessarily begin that way the way we tend to get through to our community is just by doing really unique things and they kind of learn through it. so for example one of our biggest accomplishments with, with leadership has been the longboarding initiative yeah. and so we don't know, mention what longboarding is it's for the old people <laughs> Longboarding is like skateboarding but on a long board. Okay, so that's <laughs> or it's like surfing but on land. Okay. Yeah. Thank yeah. So if you see people that look like they're just surfing around the streets of London, they're long, they're longboarding. Right. But yeah, so that one, for example, that has been the biggest success in terms of leadership skills to the point where now we've got people who participated like three years ago to those same people who are now coaching and leading um, and doing that all without us now when they take cohorts and they know exactly what to do. And that comes from us kind of positioning these projects right in the community where we know it's going to take a certain level of leadership skill to be able to run it and to put it together and to like deliver and to stand in front of people and to lead but we know equally if we we sit with them and we explain that it doesn't have the same effect so we literally have to find these ways to be like what would be fun and be engaging and not necessarily kind of tell them beforehand that these are the five steps of leadership you're going to learn literally do something that seems so opposite do it and then say by the way these are what we covered this is what we've done and now let's build on that and by that time anyone who was slightly hesitant or didn't believe that they could be a leader in this space has done that fun part or the engaging part they came you know to do and now that they believe that actually I can transfer those skills into this I'm completely open and then that's how we we do it but enable 
enabling those young women to realise they can do it because they've already done it. Yeah, because sometimes I just don't think it necessarily works the other the way in the more traditional way of here's a leadership leadership session. These mm. are like this is what it means and this is how it runs. And because our community come with different skills and different backgrounds and different life experiences, it's very much how do they bring those authentic parts of themselves into leadership rather than us try to teach this like one format. Yeah. So we have more of like an authentic and holistic approach to leadership where, like Kieran mentioned, there's so many different women of colour that we're dealing with. For us, it's about celebrating each person um, and not just boxing them or creating one model of leadership mm. and having them all kind of go through that and become robots at the end. So it's about how do you come as yourself, celebrate that and then present it to the rest of us mm. in the world. It's yeah. not sort of presented as a, a leadership development no. opportunity. No, yeah, sure. Come along board. And so the women come mm. to do this opportunity and there was a, a particularly gorgeous image of an event where you had all of the cohorts out. Yes. You had about 30 women mm. of colour longboarding through Birmingham on a Sunday festival. And what was magical about it was the sound and look of this uh, experience, but also much younger children and young girls were kind mm. of looking, look at them, yeah. they're mm. like me, I want to do that. Mm. So just in literally cruising through Birmingham yeah. parks, there was a leadership message going on mm. about what's possible. And you, um, you're doing some work in the US. So you're engaging with other organisations in the US. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. We're going tomorrow, actually. Um, Yeah, from London to New York. We are meeting other organisations similar to ours. Some smaller, our size, really big ones. And kind of just learning from them, I would say, just kind of engage it like how they started. What are the similarities and differences and things that they're facing with women of colour in in the US? Um, What things are they doing to solve it? What things are proving effective or not? What And then sharing ours in the UK perspective. Because especially being digital, we see a lot of crossover of women of colour, both in the US and the UK, engaging with each other. But we want to learn more about what that kind of day-to-day looks like, what things around leadership there is looking like, or development opportunities. Mm. Because as we're leaving our third year now, third year now, and we're kind of getting out of that startup phase, we want to talk and have conversations around what does Girl Dreamer look like in 5, 10, 15 years. Um, and I think it'd be great to meet with all different sized companies and organisations in the States to, to see and learn from them and in terms of your vision for the organization for girl dreamers it's to reach more people is it to offer different things to the cohorts you have what do you sort of see as the way you want the organization to develop definitely want to continue in this path of we always say like our platform creates unique opportunities that you wouldn't necessarily get anywhere else and they're all aimed at personal and professional development but through these unique and creative ways and I think we'd want to definitely carry that on Mm. keep expanding the services where we can like engage Mm. with women of colour constantly learn from one thing we say is that we have to constantly be like learning be relatable be reliable and be ready to act that means that we're going to constantly change with time so it's really hard sometimes when we think five years and we're like what would the world looking like in five years and our job is to try and position ourselves as current and that's really sometimes that's difficult mm. to think but I think we have core values that remain yeah, the same that's what will remain the yeah. same is that you know the things that we can provide are they like innovative are they authentic are they holistic are we moving in that direction and if so we'll continue to do that for years and years but we really want to help women of colour also be leaders and changers in their community so even if we decide that you know we want to go international we want Girl Dreamer to be everywhere it's with the hope that we can encourage women of colour to be those local leaders how we started the the model that you have of this combination of the digital platform mm. with face-to-face interactions 
I think is a really powerful one because you are getting that sort of sense of a cohort that physically gets together yeah. and but you're you're engaging with them through a digital platform through social media um, and, and Nicola I just I'm interested in your, your comment about other leaders in the sector, perhaps what they can learn from people like Anna and, and Kieran. And I think that sort of natural ability to engage in both those worlds, is that how you see the future remaining, that kind of mixture of mm. digital and, and IRL? I think sometimes when we go too long without doing like a project or an initiative in person, it can feel very like, yeah. what are we doing with our lives? We're not impacting women. Even though we are with content and stuff but the stuff with content is is just kind of in front of you you can't feel it it's not as tangible as actually like meeting as a group when we did the surfing one we had to live for four days with this random group of women that we just did a call out over social media for just going from that and then realizing and then finding out where people came and found you from and you're just like well, so you don't necessarily see that all the time mm. until yeah. you share a house for four days and there's 14 of you and you're surfing four hours away in Yuki. So and yeah, do you know what's reels. funny as well? Because when we put the call out, out and then obviously so many women applied and then they all met in our office and we took a coach down to Yuki. And on the way, they were, they were telling us, they were saying, we thought that the call out was fake and we were going to get kidnapped and this was something to do with trafficking. And then our response but we was... Our response is, why would you come if you thought that? They were like, well, we don't want to miss out if it was true. <laughs> They were like, it was too good to be true, so then it would be a case of FOMO if we didn't come, yeah. or a case of being kidnapped if we do, so we went with, you know, just risking yeah. all well, and going. Well, that's just the power of FOMO, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, that just goes and to show. And that's the thing, when they said it's too good to be true, these opportunities don't exist for us, and that's what led us to even go as extreme as thinking that we were going to be trafficked or kidnapped, because this just seems so This doesn't happen to people like me. Yeah, yeah. then mm-hmm. just kind of reinforce that, yeah, we need to keep doing these things so that it just looks like it just becomes a really normal, you know, like advertisement of Tesco. Yeah, I think it yeah. just yeah. it's just something everybody can do. And in terms of how you are funded, you do a lot of crowdfunding. We, we have done some. You've yeah. done one bit of crowdfunding. So how, where do where does the money come from? First of all, where does that where do you get funded from? Mixture. So we get funders such as QCT, and then we the crowdfunding was just one as a one time thing, and then we also do a bit of consulting work. So we're using those experiences that we've had and who we are to go into the sector and like yeah hopefully change that our big thing is about being able to bridge the gap so we have to be in both spaces and then being in that space allows us to not only kind of share that information and and try to change the sector but also allows us to earn from being in so that just, space sorry, just tell me about the consulting the consulting is going yeah. in and saying this is how you engage with different communities or this is yeah. how you engage with young people yeah or... yeah mostly companies will ask for it on the kind of strand of diversity and inclusion right. on their end and ours is like okay this is specifically what we talk about we talk about how to engage communities that maybe you're finding hard to engage with um, at the moment but it's not because they're hard to reach so yeah. this is how we bridge gaps so we essentially go in teaching that then that allows us to also sustain away from just being mm. um, funded as well mm. um, because that projects, hard to reach thing is, oh, so, is such a, a pet peeve of it's mine. A <laughs> because actually I I'm here. I'm, you, know, yeah. you can reach me because I'm sitting here. Really easy. And it's, it's it's so kind of 
putting the blame on yeah. somebody else, isn't it? You're it hard is. to reach. No, I'm not. I'm just here. I'm just here. Yeah. In fact, I always say companies that are harder to reach, if you had to just, someone said to you, you know, go into the financial district and find this company and this person. If you've never seen big buildings and you've never been in an area like that and you had to go and find this type of person, you would just be completely overwhelmed, get mm. completely lost. It would make no sense to you. But if you said, okay, this area is where there's lots of young people or, you know, people from this background. It's just one train ride in, it's one bus ride in, it's there's schools there, there's universities, there's colleges, there's so many ways to engage that community that is normal for everybody. Mm. But coming up to some parts of the city centre and, and the business world, that that's harder to reach, I'd mm. say. What would funders need to do to make your life easier as in delivering what you what you do? Be more like QCT. Um, because the biggest thing that I think most funders could do is listen and learn from the people that or groups that they're trying to there's a lot of this complex of like here's our set of rules and if you have something that can you know adhere to these rules or a project that ticks these boxes then you know there's a good chance you've been funded but that's more difficult depending on like how different the direction you're going in so it doesn't suit individual styles yeah it's very boxy um, and one of the things is when you sent over like the paperwork and stuff and the application process it's I feel like it's quite demeaning because you have to constantly fit fit into mm. their narrative in these boxes and it's like how many people did you work with you know how many of them were deprived and it's like questions like that really irritate the both of us because it's you know especially when you come from that same community it's very personal mm. and you're like I don't want to necessarily be referred to in this way and the language is very messy and we say women of colour and funders will say can you say BAME please and we're like no because we, we like to say we like to refer to ourselves in our community the way that they want to be referred to and sometimes we have like a lot of we jar a lot on basics like that so before we've even got to you know executing an yeah, idea and or saying because the term of colour isn't that common in the UK yet but people in, in the UK who are from a minority background prefer mm. that term so we we like to write in our own way and we like our ideas in our own and sometimes it doesn't fit the narrative on, on the other end of the funder so funders like QCT they, they literally came in and said okay what would you like to do what is it that you think works what is it that you it was very just like you're the experts QCT it's been very like okay what what do you need what can we do how can we support and not just through the the funding application and here's the money to do your project but you as an organization if we're going to have this relationship what more can we do so QCT have helped us with like business planning and development they highlight us on social media like all the time so Mm. that brings in a different audience for us it goes beyond just here's some money you talked about role models for the the women that you work with who have your role models been so far who who are the sort of people that you've been inspired by that's hard I don't have particular ones I think mine change all the time but it's like a type of person so for me, it's it's the type of person that is not afraid to kind of disrupt. And I see so many young women of colour that do that on a daily basis that I'll be like, oh, she really inspires me. And then the next day I'll be like, that's my role model. She inspires me. And it just constantly is that. And it's mm. just, then I found, you know, I think my role models are just anyone who just wants to disrupt and wants to but challenge one is AOC. the politicians like that again because she just wasn't afraid to just come in and kind of disrupt that space and then that's yeah disruptors are my role models yeah, I loved at the beginning you talked about thinking about what your legacy might be mm-hmm. and you were how old at the time 19 19 yeah. which is absolutely extraordinary to think so when you get to 
towards you know further on in your career and you look back what will you want that to say I mean I suppose what do you want your mum and dad to say that would kind of affirm what you've achieved such an overwhelming question I don't know I don't know what that would be I think for me it would just be if women of colour just believe that regardless that they could do it and those dreams could be achieved that would be my thing like I want to be X and know that that is very possible because there's now whether it's been because there's been this instilling of of self-belief or there's been less blockages to that that destination just knowing that what they believe they can achieve that for me would affirm that you know what this is this is exactly why I wanted to do this because a lot of the time whether it's because we internally believe we can't do it or externally we have we have barriers for me that's stopping way too many women of colour from achieving um, their dreams and essentially from those dreams being unachieved or seeming unattainable it's I feel like women of colour impact on the world is not being felt I don't know I can't answer it in a simple way it's just like very like I can feel it and I know but it's just hard to explain I just kind of want women of colour to be living you know their best lives into their full potential Kieran I'm the Nicola thank you so much for joining me today I've loved talking to you I have loved hearing about the dream um, and I wish you all the very best in achieving it thank, thank you, you so, so much. much thank you This was Leadership Worth Sharing, the podcast by and for civil society leaders. Thanks for listening and we'll meet again in a few weeks. If you want to know more about Akivo, check out our website, akivo.org.uk. That's acevo.org.uk. And follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash Bye.